we will send them a message and call them and say, listen, we have a standing reservation at these two restaurants for you and or your partner or another couple. Dinner on us with your favorite bottle of wine. And in a perfect scenario, we'll get a handwritten note with a gift that gets delivered. So when they arrive, their table's prepared, there's a gift basket there, a card from their realtors, and they bring friends or family. That's $100 to $200 for a really amazing dinner. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Dennis Plintz. Dennis is a realtor. He's only the second realtor we've ever had on the program, and I had heard about him from some friends who attended a conference in Alberta, and I was like, this guy killed it in his presentation. Uh, very interesting guy, very driven, so I thought, hey, let's get him on the show, and he did not disappoint. Dennis is a dynamic guy, has a very successful real estate business, um, does something like $88 million a year in production, 75 transactions, which is awesome. But what he most of his business comes from investing in his database. And so Dennis shares a whole bunch of strategies around investing in your database. And so this is useful for us as mortgage brokers, but it's also useful for you if you have realtor partners and you want to share some ideas with them for a 75 million a year producer, or a, sorry, an $88 million a year producer. So check out this episode with Dennis. I think you're going to love it. Also, this episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West has been a huge supporter of our community for the last few years. And so if you're looking to do a private loan in BC or Alberta, reach out to Pioneer West, Styles Stewart and the guys. They're awesome. They will help you out. They've been really good to work with. And uh, the feedback that I've got from other mortgage brokers that have used them has been awesome. So check out PioneerWest.com and check out this episode with Dennis. Hey, Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey! So, uh, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the real estate business. I got out of jail from a really, really nice relative that helped me. Not really. You, you got out of jail? <laughs> okay. Not really out of jail, but tough stuff as a younger guy. But in my mid to early 20s, went to university to study business. One of the criteria for my wife's family for me to marry her was I had to finish school. In that pursuit of business, we bought a foreclosure house. I was selling pots and pans at the time, and I'd really just done door, Were you selling them door-to-door? Yes. Okay. Yes. Door-to-door dinner shows, cooler, suitcase. I could, Zig Ziglar, man. That's what Zig Ziglar used to do yes. back in the day, yeah. right? I worked for the guy that worked alongside Zig Ziglar. And you know what? In terms of sales training, though, I mean, you can't get any, you know, knocking on a door, hey, can I show you some stuff? It's pretty uh, raw. So, okay, and so I you did that. Cook. And now and I you, cook because of it. So that's a side benefit. So, okay, you started in that and then you bought a foreclosure. Sorry, interrupt. I do interrupt a little bit. So I love it. I'll keep bought up. a foreclosure, um, struggled with that in university, doing pots and pans, studying business, buying the house led me to be curious about real estate because a previous ex girlfriend's dad was a really popular, successful, great real estate agent. So I had some data points about it, took the course in the nine days that it took in between semesters, sold my first house sitting in a university lecture, got a page on my pager and realized I had just earned enough to pay for my semester and never looked back. And you're like, boom, mic drop. You walk out, get up, see a professor. I joke, I only did, I, I went to college and I studied small business management and the only classes I attended, I drank too much, honestly, I was very young and immature, but <laughs> I always attended marketing and accounting and I thought to myself, like, if the professors really, why weren't they doing it? Like, why weren't they not in business, right? Like, that was the thing that always surprised me. And so good for you for recognizing that you, you know, you just made money selling a house sitting in a business class. Well, it was, it was, it was mind blowing. And hold on. 
something you said there, one of the things that fascinated me in university that led me to sales, professional sales was two things. At the beginning of each class, I asked them a question that I often ask clients today. The prof would do their spiel about who they were in the course, any questions. And I would always say, tell me about you. You know, that's why we're doing this because I found yeah. you fascinating. And that, that. Tell me about you. And one of the props I said that to, I said, hey, David, if you don't mind, can I learn about what you did before this teaching thing? And he said, well, Dennis, for the rest of the semester, it's going to be Dr. Bellis. And secondly, what I did before is none of your business. So that's where it didn't work. But the other guy who's in my book became one of my, my biggest mentors. He taught a, ca- a class called Professional Selling, which really shifted my brain to realize I wasn't just a pots and pans door-to-door guy. I was a young professional salesperson. And I believe that that, like I have goosebumps when I say professional salespeople, mm-hmm. you know, and when you're respected as a professional, like a whatever other profession, it shifted me. So having that guy become one of my first clients, uh, I sold like 11 places for them after university. Uh, first thing you got divorced, so I had to do that house as well. But yeah, it's just one thing led to another and university made me curious and solidified that sales was real. Okay, so you made that sale, then you transitioned into real estate. So when was that, if you don't mind me asking? 2004. Okay, and so then how has it been going now that you've been full-time in this for the last 14 years? God, it, like, I don't know. Is, is there anything allowed on here? Like, we can talk? Yeah, anything. It's anything. It's solid now that it's freaking crazy. Like, yeah. my witness, my, like, I say that Danielle and I, would have been married in a previous lifetime if, uh, and my wife laughs at that, by the way, assistant, right arm planner, business development person would, you know, be the first to say that every day that we come in here, as we're growing every year, maybe my biggest week this week, cause they were away and I had to manage all of it. We've grown on average every year. We've been through four years of recession in Alberta and last year, and that's not a brag. That's an answer to your question about the excitement and passion. I feel like, you know, those things up there, trophies and awards, I feel unworthy because we're just getting started. Right. Like, you're, you're still not where you guys know you can be. No, like just, like just getting confidence. Like, oh, it's not luck. Like I get a trophy and I'd be like, I can't believe it. There's right. no, right now I'm thinking there's a few things we'll dive into in a minute about service and database and nurturing customers that, Jesus, yesterday a client, thank God, said to me, Scott, after an intense day, two sales on the go for one client, which is crazy, and a million other things. At the end of the day, driving only said to me, hey, I just want to let you know you were on today when we needed you to be on. And what we did today was significant. One, I saved them five grand that they agreed to, and we completed two sales. And I felt like saying, Jesus, and you only got 10% of me because the other 90 was crazy, right? So Right, right. That excitement is like, what challenge, what call, what email, and we're just getting started. So yeah, it's been a really cool 14 years. So I got connected to you because I'd heard that you had spoke at this AMBA event for mortgage brokers. And so you're a realtor that got asked to come in and speak because you're doing some very innovative stuff in terms of marketing, in terms of like database farming. And so this is what I want to camp out on. And even though, you know, our show is for more, you'll be the second realtor we had on the show. And I think you both work for the same company, actually, which is kind of funny. So what, what company are you with? Sotheby's. So yeah, the other guy that we had on was from Oakville and he's with Sotheby's as well. I listened to that one. 
Yeah, yeah. So you guys, man, you got something, you got some magic, something going on over there. So let's talk about database stuff. So you had said, we chatted briefly offline and you were saying, hey, it's really about, you know, farming and building your, so what kind of stuff are you guys doing to really farm your network, your database? So these are the best 14 years, 15 years now, two or three things we've ever done. And some we've always done and a few we're doing right now. But let me go back to the, um, the interesting part about database for me and AMBA. So the Alberta Mortgage Brokers Association and another, the larger conference and the research I did was just this. I spoke to mortgage brokers and said, like, help me understand your business. I should better. And realized how similar those, like us and you are very similar, you and mm-hmm. mortgage brokers. The thing that became apparent to me, though, is our industry it's in jeopardy. We're in jeopardy around like what's happening, changes around technology and innovation and, you know, lending rules and government and all blah, blah, blah. None of it matters if the one thing we can count on is the thing we focus on. And that's the fact that we own our database. We own our connections. So despite political changes and lending changes and rate changes, if we are loyal and faithful and caring about people, all those other changes don't matter. So in order of importance, like our industry will disappear one day, perhaps. And right ahead of us is the mortgage industry. Like the need for mortgage professionals, the need for realtors, and the people ahead of those are financial planners, I believe. And right. research would say that, like the, the recidency rate, like the extinction rate of those professions means we got to watch out. So database... It's good news. It's all good news, people. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't go, don't go work at Subway. You don't need to get a, become a sandwich artist, you know. No, that is the good news. Like, as those things have changed the industry, the thing that hasn't changed is service, care, responsiveness. And when I look at people brand new in the business, which I talk to every day in your space, our space, new realtors that come in our office that want, you know, help or ideas, or the icons of the business, you know, the people you're close to, like the, whatever, 500 yeah. transactions a year. Yeah. Here's the We all have databases. And the person that's new is positioned better because you can nurture a small list better than you can nurture a big list. And the automated systems that give you one email a month about, you know, it's been a year that you paid off your mortgage or happy anniversary is okay. But when we do one of our things, which is call a client, here's the answer to your question, that has an anniversary in our database. They bought a house a year or five years ago. We have a standing reservation with my next meeting today. He's a Red Seal chef that we book standing order once a week. And for those right clients, the connectors, you know, not the high net worth. Last week was a $300,000 condo. The connectors, the influencers, or the people I love, we call them and say, hey, Scott, it's been three years. This Friday and Saturday or next Friday, Saturday, we have a Red Seal chef. It's going to come to your house, cook you and three or four couples dinner to celebrate your house, celebrate our connection. Let us know if that works for you. So who says no to that? Like, no, I don't like what? Shut up. I hate you. Click. So, okay, dude, this is genius. And so do you do it every year on the anniversary or every, like, how, how do you know how often to do it? Well, he's fairly new. So we've been doing it for our one year anniversaries, which is a nice way to say it's been a year. I trust you still love your house, but you're tired of cooking. We're going to send a chef. So that's our new, like innovative, fun approach. The one that we do for every year, every client is a stack of, you know, these cards that are on my desk. Happy anniversary. The catch to these, though, is Danielle prints off all the letters, 
all the listing sheets. So it's standard. It's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 a month. Then we handwrite a note on there. And then I text or call the ones I'm like, geez, I haven't talked to Sean in a while. And the ones that, that are the best are the ones that sold without us or renewed their mortgage, not with me or moved. Right. Like drives me nuts. So what do we do? Immediately phone them, text them. Like Scott, and here's the catch to why I think we're, we're good at this part is I'm genuinely upset and care. I'm not mad. I'm like, geez, what did I do wrong? Help right. me out. God, like, I know you sold. Congrats. Looks like you got a good price. Looks like we bought right. What did I do wrong? So anniversary letter every single year. Flowers every year for almost everybody. Like some people we've just totally lost touch with or they divorced or I made them mad. So card, flowers, cookies, dinners. And okay, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. So your database you've got, for you've been doing this for a while, you're going to do anniversary cards. You hand, hand write them out. Your assistant puts them on your desk. And then anybody who you discover they've sold, you still call them, right? And you'll always, <laughs> and so do you ever get anybody go, give me an example of what, like a, an unusual, something that happened from that. Well, the and best, you don't feel awkward. You don't feel like, oh, like, you know. God, no, no. Like, cause uh, when we started university professors, when I said, I'd say like, what did you do before? The questions I ask are curious and they're genuine. So right. why, why didn't you sell with me? Like, what could I have done better? I just got to know. Now, I'm looking for the story when I'm like, oh, God, I really fucked that up. Like, pardon my language, a lady that we sold for um, had issues with her fridge right after she moved in. And we tried to fix the fridge in addition to all the other problems. And I tried to even replace the fridge. And then I forgot about it. And I let the fridge go. And I, like, for some pretty solid reasons, some people you just got to let go of. But I tried, but I never fixed the fridge. So when she sold and I phoned her and she said, you never fixed my fridge. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Like I totally forgot. I get it. The better ones are though, and most common is like, well, you know, so-and-so became a mortgage broker or a realtor, you know, or so my cousin or my, like, right. My, it's a um, family connection. So you can't, yeah. it's pretty hard. The family card is pretty strong, right? Yeah. yeah. And always being appreciative. I used to be so insecure and rude about it. I remember the guy, the day he told me he bought without me and I responded, well, what do you mean? You didn't buy with me. Like I'm, I'm your friend. Yeah. I, I, I regret that day so much because now I'm like, look, I totally get it. It's amazing. Like, let's stay connected. If you need any help owning your house, I'm your guy. Like the shift is, you know, that that makes three or four or five years later because that other person might get out of the business. They, they might, cycle out. Right. Oh, it's been so just being inquisitive about what could I have done better and actually I phone, text, and chase the people that sell without us more than we do the anniversary cards. Because, you know, if they're still connected, the card goes in the mail, handwritten note, flowers go to their door. The thing that's interesting is following up on that gift. Because we used to send a lot of gifts and baskets and just think they made it. The real power is phoning them and saying, did it make it? What did you think? Were the flowers okay? Just want to make sure they landed. So we do that almost as much. But thankfully, we don't have a lot of people that don't buy or sell with us but we have so much more bandwidth because people say, how do you do that for everybody? That's the good news. If you're newer, newer, you can knock it out of park and kill me. Right. Cause I, these are like, these are still from last month and I haven't filled them out yet. There's a lot of cards. So if you're newer, newer, the opportunity is perfect. Right. Okay. So um, you do the card. When do the flowers and candy come in, in on a annual, like 
anniversary. Is that with, is that with the is that the same time as the card? So you're going to send the handwritten note, the card, and a flowers or candy, or what? What actually was in that? It's any combination. So we'll do a sticky note on each card. I'm like, oh yeah, flowers for this one because there's a little number in the corner where the stamp's going to go. So that mm-hmm. tells me how many years they've owned it. So I can quickly say, wow, three years. I can't believe I haven't talked to you. What an idiot I am. I'm going to call you. Or right. five years, that's flowers. Or four years and they referred me somebody, cookies. And then I customize the note, like either, hey, thanks for connecting me with so-and-so or great to see you at the school. Or, you know, and I talk to people in your profession a lot over the last four months. And it's amazing to me, the biggest, best, you know, that were amazing to share with me because I'm a realtor, their ideas, they do the same thing. Like they're always on the phone. They're always writing notes and they're more worried as I am about the last person I did business with than I am the next. Right. You know, it's 10 times cheaper to retain somebody than get somebody new. Well, not true when you send them flowers every freaking year for 10 years, but it is true, right? Because when we got audited early, like gifts, cookies, flowers, chef's dinners, eaves trough cleaning in the spring, we'll wash your windows if it's your anniversary in the spring, furnace maintenance if it's the fall because your winters, you know, cause your furnace to break down in Alberta. We've been audited and the government said, you spend too much money on gifts. We can't do that. And I said, right. well, let's look at the list because I know every person and every gift, they didn't think it was real. Right. Yeah, we give firewood for real. I gave firewood to a client. So gifts, thank yous. Okay, how did your audit go? Did you guys pass when you showed that it was legit? Well, no, that passed, yeah. So I didn't have to uh, pay taxes on any of the gifts because they, they're worried about like excessive bottles of wine. Or well, you're, well, you're actually just bringing them home and drinking them yourself. That's what they're yeah. trying to do. So I said, no, like Mr. Button was the guy they asked me about. And firewood, they said, did you really buy a cord of a cord, which is like a room full of firewood for Mr. Button? Yes, for Dave. And yeah. he carded it up his elevator. So to answer your question, that part of the audit went good. But I found out that year as the top agent at Century 21, year number two in the business, that we were almost broke. Like right. we got backwards. Our expenses were way out of line. Uh, I don't know if I figured that out yet. But I know I have. So we're more at about 40% expense ratio, but I was new. So everything was going back into gifts and thank yous. And they said, that's crazy, but it works. It works. Okay. And what's your budget for this? So I agree with you on, you know, there's this great country song. It's called Cheaper to Keeper, right? I don't know if you heard this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a Google it. So a cheaper to keeper. So uh, it's sort of the same thing with your clients, right? It's cheaper to keep existing clients. So what do you budget per year per client? I know it's going to slightly vary if they've been with you three, four, five years. Um, you also know, I bet that in year six or seven, this is when something, if they haven't sold yet, that's likely when somebody's going to like decide to make a change, right? Usually it's every six or seven years. That's right. Um, and I love the way you're, uh, you're, I love the way the mortgage business is set up. Like, I actually said after all the research I did, if I had to leave this business, I'd go into that business because they're so similar, right? Right. Like one year anniversary, five year anniversary, like the touch points are so logical and natural. And, and remind me to give you two lead opportunities that I tested out at the AMBA conference live and they work for mortgage brokers. I'll forget them. So let me tell you, one is an Instagram post I did. Well, I wanted to just curiously ask, have you ever had a bad mortgage broker experience? And that morning I got the mortgage broker that was with me in the room, a lead, because somebody said, yeah, this really sucked. It's a poll. But to answer your question, so the, the budget we allocate is somewhere between, and it's not my accountant would wish this was a budget, a line amount, and the governor is Danielle, who often says, are you sure you want to do this for that person? $100 to $500 per year per client. 
okay, and then what is your average commission per transaction? So you got like you got have a, you've got a wide range, but what's the sort of just to give me? I'm trying to think of a percent that this is what percent of your overall commission are you investing back into your client? I call it a client for life program. So what are you investing in that? Let me ask Danielle so it's accurate. Danielle, can you figure out just real quick the average commission that we get paid on a client? Yeah, percentage-wise. Based on the, our average sales price of 800000 Because that question, what I found amazing is a lot of the brokers said to me, mortgage professionals, well, you guys make way more money, so you can spend way more on clients. Not true. Our volume is way less. Like, we do way less. I, I can't. Like, 75 clients is a lot or not a lot, depending on how much we put into them. Right. We put a lot in, right? So, you know, there's mortgage professionals. Like, the average mortgage person does how many? Well, the average is pretty low. It's like 4 million. So, you're looking at like 20 to 30. But, like, set, you can do 75 loans, literally, if you're organized. Like, one person can crank out. Yeah, you're going to be a little, there's going to be hairy months, but you don't actually, so... Yeah, it's easier to scale. We do more transactions for sure. And isn't it about 80 transactions that somebody should hire an assistant, right? As a yeah. Mortgage. Usually we say, my rule of thumb is five transactions a month. So once you're doing five a month, 60 a year, the fastest way to get to 100 is actually to just add help. Now let's see. No, what's the actual commission on it? Per sale. Because I get that. Like that, and we say, and I said in my book, my mentor said, get an assistant early. So they can do these pieces around database and service. So percentage-wise, what we spend per client is proportionate because we spend a lot of the commission back on the client. You know, from the gift we give them on possession day, which is um, a Dyson vacuum that's labeled with our stickers and our info because it lasts a long time. It's practical. What, Plus, uh, what, are, what are those costs? Uh, Dyson's about 300 bucks. Okay. Your if realtor doesn't suck. But this does, you know. <laughs> that's There's no way we do it. <laughs> What's that? Hopefully your realtor didn't suck. No, that's what you say. You're, exactly. Your realtor doesn't suck, but this does. You know, I'm just saying, is, you can a little note with the thing, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but we put our name on it on the back on a sticker. Daniel unpacks them all, repackages them. Because then, you know, they like we use one every day. It's practical. They'll yep. use it every day and they'll think of us every day. The fact that we farm our database and spend a disproportionate amount on that in gifts versus, you know, 10,000 flyers to a community. Or what about like billboards and stuff? Do you do stuff like, do you do billboards? No, we have a few bus benches and our company's really reluctant to allow that. But the more important part is when I started, the majority of money didn't go into big community blitzes of any type. They went into gifts, firewood, cases of wine, dinners, backed up by real delivery. Like, hey, I want to fix the fridge if it didn't go right. So starting with those and trusting everything went right, then we send a thank you. But one of the things in, in your business, in the mortgage space that I found amazing is, is the question of do you give gifts? Should you give gifts? Of course you should, but not right. if they're bad gifts. Not if they're bad gifts? Right, not if they're impersonal right. words or things that people just want. Even bottles of wine are risky because not everybody drinks. So we'll ask the wife separately, if we know they drink, what's your husband's favorite wine? We'll ask the husband, what's your wife's favorite wine? And get a half a case of wine each. You know, a right. 50 bucks a bottle um, for nice wine. It, that, that, like a case of wine matters, right? Like, whoa. And it's labeled. It's got our stuff on it, our stickers and all that. Right. Okay. So you got that person number yet? Say, say, Andy. Okay. 
So gross, so that's six, four or five, six thousand dollars. Is your growth per sale? Per, yeah. per no, sale. That's, our that's your net. Yeah. And then, um, what percentage of that would you invest in your gifting program and your client for life? Just thousand dollars. So that's tw- what, not quite twenty percent. Is that eighteen percent? I I don't own do the math. I love, that. I love how you're working that, but yeah, yeah. I'm oh, trying. I'm just trying to get because I like I like to have like frameworks so that you can apply what you're doing to someone else's market. They're going to have different size loan. As a met because you somebody in a, a smaller market can't do that. Can't do the same gifting, but they can make an adjustment, right? Or right. conversely, if they're doing bigger volumes, bigger amounts, you can make a, adjustments another way. So and another um, thing I could probably get you that's better is like what's our overall client appreciation line relative yep. to our gross commission line. And I'm, I'm making it up in the moment, but it's somewhere around 20%. But it also doesn't have an ending. It could be much more because some clients cost much more or they take 10 years before they sell with us. And we do send them gifts every you know year. We invite them to events every year. Do you have a metric in the mortgage business that would be? Uh, I would say like, you know, in terms of a client for life program, if somebody invested even 10% of their commission back into a client for life program, they could, they would be doing well. If you wanted to go more, you could obviously do more. Most people forget they honest to goodness, the busier they get, the more successful they become, the less likely they do this stuff just because they're like, I'm so busy putting out fires and handling files that they actually don't have a good system to actually, the people who are successful do, the people who are successful know that they've got to invest in their clients. But with oh, the chef's dinner, I'm curious on that. So what is that? What does that run you in terms of a price to get because that's an impressive gift. Like if somebody sent me that, I'd be like, this is freaking awesome. Like, so what's the, what's, what's the ballpark on something like that? Here's the two that, that matter the most. So that one, because of our industry, and I think the commission that's disproportionate upon a transaction, you know, of $5,000 for us versus $2,000 for a mortgage professional. So twice the amount would be twice the gift. But the two that I shared that a mortgage guy came up and said, holy shit, that's mind blowing this one. Um, we have three favorite restaurants we go to in Calgary. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's called nesting or that's called nurturing. Like we go there at least once a week as a family with clients. I have a tab there as well. So when I meet a client or a team member, I don't have to pay the bill at the end. Here's the catch. We have a standing reservation at the two busiest restaurants in Calgary. Yep. And if you have bought or sold a house with us and it's possession day, Two days before the Friday, or your closing, or your mortgage is going to get funded, we will send them a message and call them and say, listen, your sale closes on Friday. I'm sure you're exhausted because you're moving out, or I'm sure you're excited and moving in. Either way, dinner's probably going to be tough on Friday and Saturday. We have a standing reservation at these two restaurants for you and or your partner or another couple. You go. It's reserved at the chef's table. Dinner on us with your favorite bottle of wine. So then if they take us up on it, we call the restaurant, we book them, and they make space every Friday or Saturday. They go there, and in a perfect scenario, we'll get a handwritten note with a gift that gets delivered. So when they arrive, their table's prepared, there's a gift basket there, a card from their realtors, and they bring friends or family. That's $100 to $200 for a really amazing dinner. Oh, yeah. So if it's a, is it for four people or two, typically? Up to them. One, two, or four. And we have to gauge that if it's a, like the one we did last Friday. She's recently widowed, unfortunately. That happened while we were selling. So it's sensitive to say, hey, go celebrate. We said, hey, if you need a day to have a lunch by yourself or want to take out some friends, let us know. Lunch or dinner on us. So we customize that. I customize the note. 
when I send it. Ideally, though, it's for them and one or two other couples. You know, we've only had people take us up on them and one other couple. And, you know, the exposure we get to that other couple is amazing. The restaurant loves us. They tell their people about it. That's the standing reservation, which we love. It's any, we use it for referral thank yous. Like the last one we did where somebody said they were in tears, Scott, like a month ago. Yeah. Ten years ago, we sold a condo for these people. We found out they referred us a couple. Because I always say, do you mind now that we're working together, who referred you? They said it was these people. I emailed them and said, hey, as a thank you, we'd like you to go for dinner. This is the referral, remember? Yeah. And it'd be cool if you brought the people you referred. They texted back, like, they haven't taken us up on it yet. But they said, this is the most generous thing. It's going to be a few hundred bucks. Right. Then the chef's dinner one is somewhere between $400 and $800. And again, we target people or invite people we know will appreciate it, you know, know, not be weirded out by it, and hopefully scale that benefit to us. Like a $500 dinner, here's the question, that we test drive often because if we don't have a client that takes our standing reservation, the chef unfortunately has to come to our house and cook dinner for us and our team or our family. So, right, right. You know, when you get three or four couples in somebody's new house, like, who did this? Right, right. Pretty cool. That is totally awesome. And you'd said there were two strategies that you had shared at that conference. One was the Instagram where you had the post and the question. What was the question you said? Did you ever have a bad mortgage experience with a mortgage broker? Instagram polls, right, where you can just get a yes or no question in stories. I put up there as research because if you were to do this for me today, this would blow my business out of the water. Because if you ask, if, let me say it again, if, if I ask, hey, friends, have you ever had a bad real estate experience? And 99% are going to say no. Like, who's going to say, Dennis, right. you're really not. But if you do it for me and say, hey, like, or if, and I ask my mortgage broker contacts to do this, put a poll up and say, have you ever had a bad realtor experience? Mm-hmm. They love beating up realtors if they're talking to the mortgage broker. Right. So I said, as a poll in the days leading up, has anyone had a bad mortgage experience? Let me know, yes or no. That every person that said no, I messaged them, said, what happened? And if it's something that my mortgage person could fix, which she could, then I connected them and said, you got to call Scott. You got to call right. Jim. And what happened was the one said, oh yeah, I'm in the middle of it right now, trying to get the bank to fund my mortgage, but the paperwork's taking forever and it's like three weeks behind. So I said, you got to talk to Jim. Right. Call okay. Take care of this. So it's like a wicked way to say one, I want that feedback from your team to say, what do realtors do wrong most often? Yeah. Right? So I always ask my listing appointments when it's people I don't know that question, like, tell me about your past realtor experience. What didn't you like? So I yeah. can make a mental note. So asking the question about a different industry is an amazing way to get people to give feedback that we can improve on or leverage. Okay. And what was the other thing that you suggested where there was a second one standing restaurant reservation okay because you know the the restaurant loves us and i just moved a new restaurant to the top and sent it to the restaurant owner and said hey would you mind if we put you as our preferred restaurant of course he's like well this is insane right right. having our visa on file makes it super convenient for the client right okay what other things are you doing on your client for life program to invest in your past clients so you said do you do events as well like any other i guess i've got a few questions emails, how often do you email, what kind of events do you do, and what any other things you guys are doing? Uh, so emailing our database is probably our biggest, best return. And here's the wild card that I think so many people miss, and it frustrates 
It saddens me because it's the part that makes me saddest and leads to our biggest opportunity. Do you email? Do you have an email list that you send stuff out to? Yep. Hundreds, thousands, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Every what, month. What, MailChimp or Constant Contact or Solve 360 we use or whatever it is. We like to send people stuff regularly that's helpful. Yeah. Right? Like we're giving away three free window washings this month. Right? Check it out. Or a free book to everybody. We always give something that's of real value. Or we've got right. a red seal chef. That's the easy one. But the thing that I think gets missed that on an airplane 10 years ago I found out you know, everyone loves the open rate, right? 30% open rate. And you can yeah. see all the people that opened your email. What they don't show you easily is who didn't open it. Right. So we cross-reference. We print off the list of opened and then highlight all the people that didn't open it. Then I text message those people, phone those people, you know, meet those people. Because I'm clearly on the 35% that are. I don't need to be on their radar. I got to worry about the 65% that don't care about my mail. Right. So it's a powerful sort of way to reverse engineer the approach to spamming and always saying, look, we're doing community stuff. We're doing a fundraiser, like would love your help. And then the other one, it was, we're trying really hard to segment our database. It's yeah. not one message to everybody. Right. Like if I do a, one of our, our funnest aspects is the multi-million dollar real estate video. You know, my son on a play date that's in the neighborhood cruising around in his vehicle for a zillion dollar house. Right. It hurts when I send that to the condo buyer that can't even fathom that property. Mm-hmm. Right? It disconnects. Are we luxury only? No, we're luxury service. So CRM, database, emailing, but caring about the ones that don't open it is what we've always tried to focus on. It takes a lot of bandwidth. But early on when I had 50 people on my email list, it was easy. I email 50, I phoned the 15 that didn't open it and say like, what's up? Like, did you get it? Why didn't you open my email? Like I'm sitting in front of your house. Like I can see you, you're in the kitchen, you know, like you're just being a little creepy. Um, so that's actually a really, that's a cool idea. So in terms of what do you do for events? We do not, Scott, we do not do movies. Okay. How come? Don't do an afternoon in the theater ever again. Anybody. And I say that from two mortgage uh, professionals that helped me prepare for my last engagement at AMBA. I got an invite from one of them right after the event to say, hey, we're doing a movie, you know, afternoon. We rented a theater. Do you want to come? And it's the second time they've invited me. The first time we almost went because it was the Star Wars premiere. I wasn't going to go. Two guys that that work for us love Star Wars. They'd love it. I said, like, I phoned him, actually. Phoned him at 7 in the morning and said, why are you doing this movie thing? Yeah. Because to answer your question, we do events where we feed people well. We give them tons of alcohol. We support a cause and we launch cool shit like a book launch or a team connector event. We want you to meet the best traits people in our business. And we do it where we can break bread, drink together, eyeball to eyeball. We don't lock them in a theater, feed them food that's bad for them and don't have two words except high and buy or worse, babysit their kids. Right, right. I don't understand the movie one. Okay, I, I get that. So I like the team connector event. So walk me through what you do for that. So what's a team connector event look like? So we've got um, a big team. Like my team is 150 people. And so is yours. Meaning when I, when I was speaking to the mortgage professor, I said, when you have one assistant, or maybe not when, you, when you're the only person I was for three years doing all of it, 
And sending gifts and dinners and thank you cards and cookies to my dry cleaner, my window washer, my furnace repairman to say, you're a part of my team. My mortgage broker, when I started, Scott, who would be a person at one of these events, early said, look, you've sent us a lot of deals in this first year. We want to give you like cell phone credits or gas cards. I said, I don't want any of that. I want you to be on my team so that when I, when I do call you urgently at two in the morning, can you pick up their dry cleaning? Can you go wash? Can you go service their furnace? As we built our team with people we're loyal to. Right. You're not asking the mortgage broker to pick up dry cleaning, right? You're, no, you're sorry. Just, yeah, yeah, example. Catching that. Just yeah. saying. I'm you, like, dude, like you just lost me. Like, okay, he's lost his mind. I'm out. <laughs> no, we've got the loyalty with the mortgage broker yeah. to, to take a mortgage call at midnight if I have to for some crazy. Right. But I make sure they know it's or the dry cleaner when it's an urgent client going out of town on a Tuesday. I've always just said, don't, don't pay me, just take care of them. And right. as we've built that team, I can say on the drop of a dime, like if you need something today, Scott, in Calgary, you need somebody to pick you up at the airport or you need someone to renovate your house. If I've got someone good, they're coming to help you or they're going to be at the next event we're doing. And we're right. going to break bread, we're going to drink wine. It's going to be a few thousand dollars for us. The last one we did was a $5,000 event we were raising money for a charity that raised 6000 so a bit of a break-even, but not because I spent five hours with 100 amazing people. Right. So, and, and they're with 100 other, like lawyer. You've got to be careful sometimes we cross over two amazing people. Like, how do you have two great builders in a room? Well, you just do because they're right. different people, right? And um, yeah, exactly. We just got to be careful about inviting inviting people that might be competitive, like ex-spouses, which I've done by accident to big events. Right. Um, so team events are around getting all the great people we're connected to closely connected at an event where they're having fun, drinking, eating. That's always the criteria, I think. Okay. Dude, I could talk to you for another hour easily just because I've got lots of stuff I want to ask you, but I want to jump to just to, before we wrap this up, you ha- you're doing a bunch of video stuff. So walk me through and video is something that we're doing more of, and I'm seeing, you know, I feel like it's something you have to do if you want to be on social. So what are you guys doing for video and what's working? The first thing that's working at our level and your level is being a professional. I did it for a long time where I was really bad at it, meaning the quality that we put out, the content, we didn't have a filter. We didn't have an editor, which I think everybody, one, has access to today because there's so much of it. So let me come back to video or let's get to the one thing that I think separates our business from most of our competitors, 95% of them, and it's yours. And I tested the mortgage industry with this one. And I fundamentally believe it's the thing that'll get us to win more. And we're just getting started and mortgage brokers for sure. But I tried it out to say, you can try me on it as a mortgage broker. And it's our core value. It's responsive. Like we expect it as human beings, whether it's food service or Google or chat or it's just speed, speed universally, whether you're waiting at a hotel lineup or at the airport is the thing people, if measured, all things equal will say they value the most. So we'll get to that. Right. How do we do that with so many incoming leads? Well, I'm sitting here hanging with you and my phone is buzzing, but we've got it built so that it's not yet overwhelming. So responsive, right. but video, video, I think is what gets me nervous because being on here right now with you, I'd rather this be a phone call. Right. Because what happens is I'm judged right now for how I look and my office and my environment, which is great because we're 
in business together. So the judgment's not quite as jugular as the reason we don't put our face or team on very much, like not on business cards, not on bus benches, is because I think we could, I know I've been judged for being too young, too energetic, too old, too ugly. You're too yeah. good looking. I know realtors that are too good looking, not me. You know, like all of those judgments get in the way of what we offer for value. So the video we produce is meant to be informative, professional, narrated, and our team has carte blanche to say, if the content sucked or was offensive or not helpful, and the two criteria are, who is this for and how is it helping? And if that's not happening in the videos we produce, and the third wild card is it entertaining. Because right. a lot of our stuff is just really kick-ass entertaining. But if we haven't answered those two questions, what, who is this really for and is it actually helping? So the two channels we developed that I'd love you to plug it for me. I will. I'll, I'll definitely have links in the show notes for these. Free for everyone. And it's all focused content around the hustle series. But we have a separate channel that's super professional. That's called Plint's Perspective. And they're, they're one-minute tips around everything from staging to preparation to market trends. And we, we have very little to me and lots of great B-roll that's shot. Yeah. So it's meant to help the client with great tactical advice. It's entertaining. Uh, and it's for our database. Right. So you yeah, build up your database, but you also share it up so that anybody that gets referred to you or finds you can also see it. Right. You pay to advertise it. Like, so we did a big one on eaves trough cleaning. So yeah. a big problem with flooding and basements is just clog, clog these troughs. So right. we did one in the spring on a day it was pouring rain around eaves trough cleaning. Then whenever it rains, we paid to publish that one to reach more people in the city. Like it's raining. Have you seen this video? Like it's amazing how, and we're just learning these by the way, but the point is we make it professional, informative yeah. and fun. And then we're getting strategic, crazy about who we pay to put that in front of. Like if it's raining, and you're thinking of selling your house, Facebook will do that for us, right? Right. I know it's crazy, the this, this stuff that, that's possible. So, and you mentioned to me, I don't know if you, before we got on the show, but you have a couple of people on your team now that do video for you, right? So that's like, so obviously you guys are invested in, and I checked out your stuff. Your stuff looks great. The Hustle series is awesome. Thanks. Like it's really well produced. Um, you've also written a book, your two books. One of them was for potential people listing and one of them's for, what was the other one? For sales, right? Sales, yeah. So the first one I should have written, I maybe never should have written to give out to clients. You guys would love it. It's, um, AD, can you grab me one of each? So the Hustle series I wrote first. My wife, when she edited it, she's the filter, by the way, like yeah. not on social, very private, very smart, said, you can't give this to your clients. Like I talk about, I talk in there about my brother. That's Danielle, don't. Hey, hey Danielle. I talk in this book about my brother selling my mom a stolen car when he was 17. Right. He, and talk. he did that. It happened for real. I talked in this book about me selling my brother's Star Wars collection door to door when I was seven. And somebody once on Twitter said, Hey jerk, that's called stealing, not selling. I was yeah. like, well, I didn't even have to say anything. Everybody else that's reasonable in the world defended me. Right. Point is I was, I was what most people are. I was really transparent in here. Mm-hmm. Tactical advice, my real story, the pain of, Life. Life is painful. It's all in there. The problem with that is like putting my business card on something. I might get judged for it. Right. Before they find out that we're actually good at what we do, we care. So we wrote this one, which is actually my business card. 
That's the one I was thinking of for your business card. So that one is the, yeah. I highly recommend this to mortgage professionals that are at sort of mid-career to want to grow. Starting out, it's tricky because this is full of real-life stories like negotiating a cat for a client once. We had to negotiate a cat into a deal to make the deal work. So like they wanted to keep the cat? The seller wanted the cat to go with the house. Oh, it's hilarious. And deal's all done. Agreed. I had to phone the buyer's agent. And what I did is I phoned Danielle and Luke and said, hey, it's a big sale. You might have a cat tomorrow. Are you okay with that? Buy smarter, sell higher, and how to push your agent to hustle harder. And I talk about a mortgage broker. Okay, that line, that last one, is the, that is the knockout punch. Um, how is. to push your real estate. When I saw that, I was like, that was awesome. Because what I'm going to, if you give that to me as a customer, I'm going to use this to judge my experience with you, but you wrote the book. So you, you didn't write this in a way that you're not going to be able to fulfill, but it's going to make everyone else look like, you know, they're kind of a debt, right? So that's I'm awesome. about that. Clients that I've given this to you have nipped me in the ass and said, Hey, I read your book. So is this the part we negotiate commissions? Cause I talk about negotiating your commission with me in there. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, this is the time because the time to negotiate your mortgage broker's fees or your agent's fees are not when you're asking them to walk over fire or broken glass naked. You're asking them if they fail. Mm-hmm. So I said in here, one of the best stories ever about a big opportunity, four years in the making, we sat down to do the deal and he said, but before we do it, I want to talk about your commission. And I said, I want to talk about it as well, but I only want to talk about a discount at the end when I bring you the offer if I fail. Three transactions in, it happened. I failed. I went to him and he said, is this where we talk about commission? I said, yes. So it's meant to be super helpful if you're interviewing other realtors or me. And somebody said to me about three years ago, your book is your new business card. It is for sure. But only if it's good stuff. So we put a lot of time. And you can get it online? Uh, Yes, you can get it online. Or just email me and message me and I'll send you a copy for free. Okay. I'm going to get a copy and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I put links in there. So is there anything? 10 copies. Okay. Is there anything that I should have asked you? Cause I got to wrap up our conversation. This has been very useful, valuable. I love your energy and just the fact that you really care about your clients. Obviously you said we're luxury home service. service. That's what you said. It wasn't about yet some luxury properties. You said you got some, you know, multi-million dollar properties, but really it's luxury service that you guys provide. So any last comments? Yes. I assure you, you, And anyone that tests us out in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, it's responsive. And the second most important word to our business is reliable. We'll not just be the fastest to get back to you, and not always, but we'll be the deepest. We will investigate you and your client, your situation, your life. Like, I am so insatiably curious in seven minutes with you on the phone that we're going to want to have coffee or never talk again. But I want to know if I can help you. So responsive is our, our thing, and I think it's the future of the business. The thing you didn't ask me in this book, I tell a story that makes me want to marry the mortgage business. A mortgage broker early on said to me with, and he was the, the guy in our office who was getting all the office business. I'd given him a lot of business at that time. I said, Hey, this is my best friend, my business coach, my mentor. You got to help him. Yeah. I realized there I overset up. Like it was like, I'm like, I should just, I, I try to downplay the connection now. Yeah. Fast forward, he overcommitted. And I learned, don't overcommit. Accurately commit, accurately promise. Because in there, what happened? Four days before funding the mortgage, closing, conditions gone, my 
business coach phones me and says, hey, he was also the MC at my wedding, by the way, says, the deal's not going to happen. We can't get the mortgage. So what do you like? Yeah, like, you know, you guys, this is, and it was nobody's fault. It was just a misalignment of paperwork and promises. And I'm not blaming him, but we were all standing there without a real option. So with all of the money I could muster in the world, uh, $120,000 in total that we had in our company, we wrote a check for $100,000 for one year to the client. Interest-free, yeah. no payment. And I, the accountant that year was, you can't do that. Like, it's not a loan. What's going to happen if it doesn't? Thank God it worked out. Right. We learn to not overcommit. Accurately commit, accurately promise. And nobody has to jump through hoops, mortgage broker or realtor. But it only happens if we do that first seven minutes right. Get on the phone with the mortgage broker or the realtor and say, tell me about this person you're connecting me with. And then do the same thing with a client. Like, let's make sure I'm asking you the right questions. And I'm happy to send you guys those questions that we ask as well. Okay. Awesome, Dennis. Great to meet you, man. And if I'm ever in Calgary, I'd love to connect and maybe grab a coffee or a beer or something. Did you drink or no, you don't drink? I like beer. Okay. So yeah, I'd love to connect. Too good at so, it. What's that? I used to be too good at it. Yeah, me too. And back in college, that's why I didn't, I didn't learn much. So, okay. Thanks, man. And I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon. And I'm here to help you and anybody that needs anything. Just email me. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.